Hello and welcome to episode 198 of the End Focus podcast. We've had a bit of a unscheduled break accounting for our issues in our, our personal health and our personal lives, which we're always going to put before our podcast. So let's try to get through everything we've missed out in the past couple weeks because it's been a, a fairly eventful couple weeks in terms of news announcements. I am joined by our regular co-hosts, Sylvia Wassnar and Rosalie, the little record girl. Hello, you two. Hello. Hello. All right, so let's dive right into our belated Switch news. So first up, and in a nice expansion of our discussion of Nier Automata coming to Switch in... Our Nintendo Direct episode from last time, <laughs> Bayonetta 3 has a release date, and it's coming out October 28th, just three weeks after Nier Automata. So, yeah, pretty much exactly what I said. Forget Nier Automata. Let's play Bayonetta 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any Bayonetta fans on the show right now? Yeah, very much. Yeah. I still need to catch up. I've only played the first one. <laughs> oh, you got you got to play the second one. It's so good. <laughs> I'm a fan of it too, and uh, we we tried to talk about it when Bayonetta 1 and 2 launched on Switch clear back in 2018. That was a long time ago now. We, we tried to have uh, an enlightened conversation about it. I don't think we did a very good job of it, personally. <laughs> Maybe we can try again in October, because we've got a, a significantly uh, different cast of voices on the show now, so we could probably... Uh, do a better job of it now (laughs) but Bayonetta is an explicitly sexual character and she she puts it right out there in front of her most of her power set is based on her sexuality and uh, you can feel one way or the other about that what is the one way or the other we feel about that do you you two want to talk about that I I I like it because it feels although it's I think a lot of the Debs devs are like you know the main guy behind platinum is a is a guy but it always it when i played the first one it didn't feel like it was exploitative it felt like it was fun because every every mm-hmm. time there every time there is a sexual female character who likes her body doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing a lot of my favorite characters are characters that are kind of like that um and I, I, one of my favorite game endings is still the first one because it's like a silhouette of her pole dancing, and I always thought that was actually quite cool. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it doesn't feel exploitative, and uh, I know the creator of this the game is male, uh, Kamiya, I think. Yeah, Hideki yeah. Kamiya. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the actual character designer of Bayonetta is female. Oh, cool. Hmm. Stuff I should really do some research on, but... Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember reading that she put a lot of elements of what she felt was, like, empowering uh, sexuality into the character. When the first one came out, I mean, there still isn't a lot of female characters. I mean, there's more, but I wouldn't say that the representation is still good. But at the time, it was kind of cool to see, like, what Devil May Cry could be, but if it was centered around a woman, and I was, and there, I remember at the time there was a huge thing of like, eh, she's not cooler than Dante, and then the creators were like, nah, she would, yeah. she would beat him in a fight, <laughs> and I was like, yes, get in. <laughs> um, at the time, Dante's was, such a lame tryhard. Yeah, <laughs> at the time it felt really cool, and I still think that she's a really cool character. Crank that Fallout boy. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, uh, it's a it's a topic on the minds of the developers because they are including a naive angel mode to the outrage of a certain subset of the gamer community. That it, it's going to significantly tone down. I don't know if you could say the sexuality because she's still making the poses and everything, but there is implied nudity. You don't see anything with the way uh, the character's power set works and the way the visuals work, but. Uh, you are meant to understand that she is naked while she's doing a lot of these things, but the naive angel mode is going to cut out all that implication and leave her fully clothed while she's doing all of these poses, which I think is kind of silly, but I I don't really have a problem with it because from what I understand, it's off by default and you have to turn it on. So (laughs) just don't turn it on. No big deal. I guess it's inspired by Smash Brothers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. I thought it was also maybe to help with streaming because Twitch has like a weird 
thing or oh, like yeah. ban nudity and stuff yeah, that might help yeah. on a streaming well, kind of thing. Maybe if you could even call it nudity, I mean, like <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah, true. <laughs> Yeah. This was years ago for me, but I, I personally, I streamed Bayonetta 1 and 2, and Twitch didn't have a problem with me doing it. Of course, I'm not a big Twitch personality, so maybe they just missed me, but... Yeah, my, my only worry is, like, sometimes, like, people will, like, get banned because they're wearing a vest and there's, like, a tiny bit yeah. of cleavage, and I'm like, if they're going to ban that, then maybe the idea was that this might help in a video game sense, but I, I don't know. Well, we will definitely have a much more in-depth conversation about Bayonetta 3, uh, probably our first episode in November, when we've all had a chance to play it, or when some of us have had a chance to play it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll probably still be playing Splatoon then, so it's just a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and other exciting news, there is going to be a limited physical release of Bayonetta 1 on Switch. It was previously a digital-only game so that's exciting too if you're a collector like me and and like rosalie so yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's going to be a limited release so make sure you get that as soon as uh it becomes available now bayonetta 3 was rather suddenly announced in a tweet and nintendo just did an entire direct focusing just on xenoblade chronicles 3 and then they did Another direct a week later, just focusing on third-party titles. What has happened to the Nintendo Direct? Why wasn't Bayonetta 3 just part of the third-party announcement which with Xenoblade Chronicles 3? And I'm sure Nintendo could have done other announcements in there as well. They, they, just, they seem to have lost their interest in the Nintendo Direct, and that really disappoints me. Uh, do either of you feel the same way? Yeah. I mean, they kind of pioneered the format of um like the digital presentation of new games upcoming games announcements in the direct form i mean people still call it like the playstation direct or the xbox direct <laughs> yeah. sometimes yeah i don't know if nintendo are just doing that thing where they're like oh everyone's doing that now so it's mainstream we've got to move on well i'm just disappointed that there's not more like what we used to get it's just it's not exciting anymore they don't do fun last minute announcements anymore they they just do a tweet it's it's just very disappointing it's like they they had the marketing nailed for a few years and then they just we're not insiders we can't say why but it just seems during covid they just stopped doing it for probably logistical or financial reasons and now that it's less of an obstacle they just they're not picking it back up again and it's very disappointing for me yeah it's like for me it's like half and half because as much as i get like i get goosebumps whenever i used to watch like e3 stuff and whenever i watch directs when it's in the joint excitement when something you didn't expect comes up but then i'm also like it is also just a big advert <laughs> Sometimes oh, I yeah, think yeah. it's weird that I'm excited over a big corporate marketing thing, <laughs> but um, yeah, it is, it is a bit. Sad. I I don't like random um, hearing random game news from tweets. It's, it is a bit bizarre, mm -hmm. and it also makes it a lot harder to write about when it's part of your job because <laughs> you have to sift through like tweet threads rather than you know enjoying a presentation. Well, and advertising has become ubiquitous. You know, everything is an advertisement now. You open up a website, there's just multiple advertisements. If you want to watch a video, you see advertisements. If mm -hmm. you want to watch an advertisement in a video, like a like a movie trailer, you have to watch an ad first. <laughs> it's, <laughs> advertising has just gotten so ridiculous that the only way to make an advertisement, you know, stand out is to make it an event, you know, like comic-con which is one giant commercial that just ended in mm -hmm. san diego or, or a uh, nintendo direct i don't have a problem with it I, I i enjoy these kind of things like my favorite episodes are always our nintendo direct episodes i listen to them over and over and over after i've edited them <laughs> <laughs> but that's just the reality of advertising now if it's not yeah. an event nobody is going to pay attention to it because we're all just so inured in advertising that we've come numb to it and we don't even pay <laughs> attention to it. Because we basically still have the Nintendo Direct, but it's like over the course of three weeks now, and it's just yeah. like a, a trickle of announcements. Like we had the Strikers update, Bayonetta 3, yep. Splatoon News just trickles out every now and then. Yep. Some Xenoblade stuff trickles out. I don't know. if, if uh, At least if there was a, a clear... 
not not schedule, but just like a clear idea of what's happening. Like I've seen the Mario Kart community just imploding yeah. over the fact that wave two of the tracks <laughs> just don't seem to exist anymore. And it's yeah, very there frustrating. Was, there was a um advertisement on a Japanese um seven eleven. Yeah which had like yeah. a date on it and people were like oh my god and that was like the only <laughs> the only thing for Mario Kart that we have so it's yeah it's kind of it's kind of sad <laughs> that was like the clue for smash character announcements mm-hmm. and not the grinch and not the grinch <laughs> um but yeah i'm i'm one of those people i'm just dying for the mario kart tracks cuz that's one of my favorite games and like the series and you know if there was a nintendo direct announced i'd know that it would be coming there but mm-hmm. i'm just like staying up until 11 p.m every night when they do their announcements and uh hoping that it's going to be the mario kart one <laughs> it's also weird how they've trickled out the um additions to like the n64 library and thing you yeah. think they make more of a deal about it because like they added um pokemon puzzle league which is actually like a really good game that a lot of people like love but it was very like oh this is coming out by the way okay bye <laughs> it's yep. like oh this is out in like a week yeah it's, it's like it's if, if you if you are part of the membership that requires that it's quite expensive so it feels like maybe they should be making more of a deal when it comes to marketing the fact that they're adding stuff to it but you know i'm not i don't work there so yeah it really does feel like they've just forgotten how to market this stuff at the moment yep i'm guessing maybe something in september when um everyone's renewing their nintendo switch online subscriptions <laughs> <laughs> that's when we'll hear like will we get game boy games will we get a new expansion pack pass or whatever included i don't know all I really expect at this point is tweets. Like, even when we find out about a, an actual direct happening or an indie world presentation, we find out from a tweet. Yeah, it's really funny <laughs> when um, I've been trying to use Facebook again recently. Don't ask me why. Um, and um, it's really interesting to have lots of people on there that I've met through like conventions and nerdy things in the past. And it's really interesting. They're like a subgroup of people who don't get, who aren't really like us, where we're really in tune with like news as it comes out when it's related to gaming and things so like they post things that are either totally inaccurate or they just <laughs> share screenshots of like the stuff that we would share or we would write and it's just really bizarre going from twitter where everyone's just like on the button oh nintendo tweeted this because like i have alerts like if nintendo tweets something so i always like read it but it's just bizarre to see the difference between that and then people like getting the news in a really trickling bizarre way do not envy that i do even if we just have to get tweets and no directs, I still prefer being a bit more on the ball than getting my news from, like, weak old screenshots. <laughs> yeah, that's what every social media platform thinks. That's what Reddit thinks about Twitter. Mm. It's an interesting perspective that, um, you know, probably even the people listening to this podcast are included in that we stay really on the ball. I, I doubt mm-hmm. that anyone is listening to our podcast for news that, they want the discussion about news that they know about. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, people on Facebook, I think, uh, they're much more casual social media users. They might check it, like, once a day, whereas we're, like, attached to Twitter. <laughs> could, it, could it be us? <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that is not a good thing. It is not a healthy <laughs> thing to be. <laughs> Our last bit of news from the past couple weeks, Nintendo has acquired Dynamo Pictures and has rebranded it as Nintendo Pictures. So they are in the, uh, I don't know if you could say the filmmaking business now, but they have bought their own animation studio. And does this mean that we're going to be getting animated films, animated shorts? Are they just going to use it for advertising? Uh, Did they buy it just to do nothing with it? Which really wouldn't surprise me if they ended up doing nothing with it. I also don't want to be that person. They haven't bought it yet. They're oh. in the middle of an acquisition that's meant to finish on October, October 3rd, I believe. Um, oh, well. 
Okay, yeah. if there's no shenanigans, then they will acquire <laughs> yes. it. <laughs> yeah, they're the same people who did the little Pikmin animated shorts, if anyone mm. remembers them. And yeah. they also work, they worked on, like, I don't find this out recently, they worked on Metroid Other M, and I think they worked on Near Automata or Replicant or both. So, like, they're, like, seemingly a good studio that actually, it might mean not just... Nintendo movies or TV shows, it might mean better cutscenes and Nintendo games coming out as well. That was actually my first thought because they they're already in a deal with um, uh, Illumination. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So I don't see them making a deal with them and then also going. Actually, let's do it ourselves as well. My well, first thought was like maybe they're going to have a dedicated studio to make pre-rendered cutscenes and ads yeah. and stuff. You'd you'd say that, but Nintendo has a history of doing this. They made the deal with Sony to create the disc add-on for the Super NES. <laughs> then they turned around and made the same deal with uh, Magnavox. I should know this. This is like Nintendo legend. but <laughs> And that was where the PlayStation came from. Nintendo screwed themselves on that one. Yep. But like, it, it wouldn't be unprecedented for Nintendo to... <laughs> Do double deals for the same for the same program. I, I'm hoping it means we'll get. Remember that like Netflix Zelda TV show that was going to be a thing and then wasn't a thing. I can't. I can't. I, I like the '80s cartoons, so I'm like, I want something cheesy like that again. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, excuse me, princess. I'd really like it if they did. Um really nice pre-rendered cutscenes for mm-hmm. for games hmm. um who knows maybe we're gonna remaster other end or they released uh prime trilogy oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh i would cry if that happened well they remastered skyward sword so anything's possible <laughs> <laughs> yeah if other m is getting a remaster they can remaster the story to be good <laughs> harsh <laughs> but am I wrong? <laughs> That's we'll just leave that floating in the air. <laughs> so let's move on with what we played this week or this month at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll start out with the Wonder Boy collection. This came out at the beginning of June, and I've been picking at the four games that are in it over the past you know, weeks since I've had it. It consists of four games. It has the very first Wonder Boy, which was an arcade game, and Wonder Boy in Monsterland, which was also an arcade game, then Wonder Boy in Monster World, which was the first, not the first, uh, it was a Sega Genesis game, and Monster World 4, also known as Asha in Monster World. Uh, And I finished all four of them, and I'm feeling pretty... (laughs) <laughs> average towards all of them. Uh, the first two especially because they're arcade games and they're built like arcade games. They they want you to be constantly plugging quarters in them uh, to finish them, which is, is no problem when you're playing them on an emulator like you're playing in this package because the quarters aren't real. So you basically have infinite lives as long as you're capable of pressing the insert quarter button, which is nice. Uh, the problem is the games were actually designed... In the last world, if you die at any time in the last world, uh, you go straight back to level one, no matter how many quarters you plug in, which is ridiculous. So (laughs) I did manage to beat these games through uh, aggressive use of the rewind feature. I didn't want to do that, uh, but when I got to the last world, I, I basically had to use rewind just to finish the game because... Otherwise, getting a game over meant I had to replay the entire game, and I just I wasn't willing to do that. <laughs> Wonder Boy is a, a strange game, which I think a lot of people actually might know better as Adventure Island. It, it's one of those games that has a very strange, like, legal rights history. Just with it got ported to different platforms, it became different series as a result. But if you've ever seen the game with the... Uh, boy on the island wearing a loincloth skateboarding and throwing rocks at things that's wonder boy also known as adventure island and this was the most straightforward game it's just a super super challenging platformer and there's a timer that's constantly ticking down so you have to be gathering fruit 
that appear all throughout all the levels to keep that timer built up, because if the timer runs out, you die as well. Uh, pretty straightforward game, just really hard. It was alright. I, I, I think I would say it was my second favorite of the games in this. Uh, Wonder Boy and Monsterland was the other arcade game. Very different. Uh, it's a lot more like a, an action RPG, like when you fight monsters and kill them, you actually get money that you can spend on equipment. Uh, like when you buy better boots, then Wonder Boy will move faster, and you can get armor that makes him take less damage, and swords that make him stronger, and there are boss fights and all that in there. This also has the time countdown feature from the first game but much more aggressively worse because there's actually almost no way to get this time uh to restore there's an hourglass item that certain enemies will drop randomly that's the only way to get your timer to build back up which is really dumb and getting through the last level most of the challenge actually was just trying to beat the timer because <laughs> the game was not cooperating with me uh, beating Wonder Boy and Monsterland without save states or without using an emulator rewind basically comes down to luck. You have to hope that something in that last level drops an hourglass because the level is just too long to beat without dying from the hourglass running out. It's a really bad mechanic, and it just drug the entire game down. I think that was probably the worst one in this package, I would say. Uh, Wonder Boy and Monster World is the first game in this package that was on Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive. It's heavily based on Wonder Boy and Monster Land, uh, but it doesn't have all the arcade features. And this was the one of the package that I enjoyed the most until the final boss. The, there was this whole thing in video games getting localized for the United States and for the West at large in the late 80s, early 90s, where they were basically mad that we had rental stores, so they would make the games just arbitrarily more difficult, so you couldn't beat it on a rental. You had to buy it, because that was how good you had to be at the game <laughs> to <laughs> finish it. Uh, Wonder Boy and Monster World was pretty moderate difficulty throughout until you get to the last boss, which they added conveyor belts onto the floor that change direction randomly, and moves so fast that you can't really fight against it, you just have to jump past it, and they added buzz saws that will go back and forth while you're being thrown around by this conveyor belt. Basically, the only way I could beat that final boss was to, again, use rewind. I was very unhappy because I had finished the entire rest of the game without using save states or rewinds or infinite lives. I beat the game legit until that just stupid, stupid final boss. I was so angry. Uh, but nevertheless, despite that final boss, I still think this was the best game in this package. And then uh, Monster World 4 is very different than the other games. If, if this wasn't in a package called Wonder Boy Collection, I wouldn't even think it was a Wonder Boy game, but technically it is one. You play as Asha, you're going through this kind of uh, Arabian Nights-inspired land, and she has this partner monster she can work with. You can throw it to activate switches or to do a kind of a hover jump that'll carry you further than her regular jump. It's very puzzle-based in a lot of the areas. Like, there's a, an ice pyramid I have to find my way through that has a lot of hidden doors, and it has other doors that will only open if I input certain button combinations, and I have to find the button combinations elsewhere in the pyramid. Pretty solid game design stuff. It's just, I found the entire game just kind of average too boring. It just didn't excite me very much. Uh, Probably the best made game in this package. I did manage to beat it without having to use any of the emulation features, which I was pretty pleased with. But that was solely because the game was just kind of blah. <laughs> A little disappointed in that one. Wonder Boy Collection, if you're really interested in playing all these kind of foundational platformer games, it's worth a look, but it's hardly essential. Now... Sylvia and Rosalie, you've both been mm -hmm. playing Fortnite in the past little while. Why don't you talk to us about that? It's, it's actually been quite surprising how much I've been enjoying it. Um, I have been playing it on both the Switch and the PS5, just to, you know, make sure. Um, but <laughs> um, I've just been really... I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before that I played it when it was a tower defense game. And then I briefly... Yeah, save the world played, mode, yeah. Yeah, I, ref, I briefly played it when it was... 
first became a battle royale thing and i wasn't a fan there was loot boxes it just didn't feel great and then since going back to it i it really really enjoying it and i'm really impressed with how polished it is um Mm -hmm. i got the battle pass and a lot of battle passes in games are very frustrating and you don't feel you're progressing enough that warranted you spending any money on it to begin with um but this one i think it lasts until september and i've only got like two pages of it left um you get some currency in it anyway when you complete this one you get darth vader and you can you get an emote that's the imperial march and things and i'm a big star wars nerd so that's really cool uh it's just really fun to progress through it i've been doing the actual quests that come with the current season Mm. which can evolve you like you have to go kill darth vader and get his lightsaber and there's like you go around a map and it's just been really really fun and it's one of the only online games like splatoon where i'm actually not like really bad at it <laughs> like uh, i played like one match the other day and we won like for me and my partner have been playing it together as duos and we won like the first one we played and i was like yeah um yeah and i and i've got the the membership now as well so <laughs> i got the cool goth lady skin yeah who's got a little um like octopus and she's really cool and the sea just, witch yeah she's re- it's just i've just been really really enjoying it i also got the sakura um skin from street fire and she comes with a little ufo catcher machine as a backpack and her like she her special dance is her dancing to her theme song and it's just really like the details they put in for their dlc are so like well done that whoever does them you can tell that they appreciate what the character is from um and the models are really beautiful in fact the tomb raider like skins are actually the best lara croft has ever looked in any game ever they're just really really well sculpted and i'm just i'm just really impressed with it and there's rumors that Dragon Ball is coming uh, to Fortnite, and I am really, really excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chun Li comes with like a arcade cabinet, little one yeah. on her back, and every time you get a uh, elimination, it plays like KO sounds from Street Fighter. <laughs> it's, it's so cool. So cool. <laughs> I, I just geek out every time. <laughs> I love like going every every day when the item shop refreshes to like see what's there. Sometimes a lot of it's quite rubbish, and then <laughs> the other the other day I've got Rakastly, so I do like the little shuffle of the music plays. And my partner my partner goes as Obi Wan Kenobi because they did one based off of the Disney Plus series. And every time he wins, he's Obi Wan Kenobi, but doing the Macarena, and it's just so good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like to equate it to like it's a costume party with your friends. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like Halloween, but all year round. I actually found that while I I was dragged back in from the um the Resident Evil skins, I was really wanting them, like Jill, is in particular. And then I actually found that the original skins are more interesting to me. Yeah. The designs are like really really good and were really like diverse for like the time when they first came out as well i thought yeah so it's good to have like a bunch of original skins that look really cool but also a whole bunch of like video game and movie characters Mm -hmm. and marvel characters like i got mary jane watson and she comes with (laughs) a guitar for her pickaxe (laughs) yeah like one of the first skins which is actually why i wanted to play fortnite the one of the main characters is like plus size and her design is like really really cool and oh, um, i can't remember yes that that that's exactly who it was i actually wanted to cosplay her originally and then when fortnite got cool with kids so i was like oh no i shouldn't <laughs> but that's what initially made me want the game um because i just thought that was like one of the best plus size designs i've seen in well actually still one of the best size best plus size characters i've seen in games in a long time um and they're just really cool there's still like issues with uh, they got rid of loot boxes. There's some of the, I think the costumes and stuff can be quite expensive. Like if you buy a full pack, it's probably at least ten to twenty quid. And they use their in-game currency, which sometimes is quite bad because you think you're not spending as much because you don't see the real thing, and that can be a bit kind of dodgy with like how microtransactions are. So it's not like perfect, but it is a better example than a lot of other 
online games are at the moment and should maybe like follow suit but it's, it's just been having such fun with it and it looks really good on the switch there are some um the map kind of loads in slowly because you know you're on your switch but it, the models and stuff still look really really good and it's still really fun to play on the switch so just make sure your internet isn't like bad <laughs> yeah play on a wired connection yeah i've i've played um I think I got seventh in a laggy switch match, and it was not it was not fun. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we were talking mostly about the cosmetics and battle pass and stuff, but the gameplay mm-hmm. itself, since they've removed building, yes, has been <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> Which yeah, both but... me and Andy pushed for that hard back when this game yeah. first came out. Wish they would have listened to us. Yeah, it, the building <laughs> makes no sense as when you make it a battle royale game. It's just annoying. Yeah, when you start a match, the whole thing is like you got to find stuff for your shield. You got to make sure you've got a good arsenal. You got to make sure you're both like you're 100% just so you can take people on. But then if you have to spend that time also gra- gathering materials and building forts, by the time you've done that, it's already like the match is gone. It, it's it, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of funny that, you know, the game's called Fortnite still because it was about building a fort at night <laughs> and then it's not actually about that anymore um <laughs> but yeah i, I wouldn't if, if there wasn't zero builds i wouldn't like i wouldn't have gone back into it there is like a grenade you can throw where like an, an insta oh, the port fort. Fort. yeah like goes up yeah. and that's actually quite fun and i like that they kind of added that um well they added the overshield as well so you get 50 shield for free that recharges over time if you if you lose it it's kind oh, of like you're it. you know like in call of duty and your screen goes red when you take too much damage and you go and hide oh, and oh get it back. yeah yeah, yeah I so get they added here. that uh as a mechanic to a zero build to make up for the fact that if you get shot you can't just put up an apartment block oh that's clever so it they, they've not just removed building like they've tuned the game experience around it a little bit and that's one thing that i actually admire about epic is that um when there's bugs they actually take the time to fix them yeah dead by daylight doesn't do that (laughs) looking at you halo infinite oh those aren't those aren't bugs those are features (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if there's any bugs they'll you know get it fixed very quickly or they'll Mm -hmm. have a temporary solution until they can add it to the next patch and the game's always evolving. Yeah. Like, the map physically changes. There's this sort of theme on the map at the moment where there's a, a reality tree and its roots are spreading and it's changing the points of interest across the island. So each match is random. So sometimes it's like a coral palace. Sometimes it's like the frontier. Sometimes it's just ruins. And it's all randomized. So, like, it's never the same. And it's a really cool idea, and it, and it's spreading. So every time you play, every, like every time you log in, it might be spreading. It gives you re- it gives you reasons to like actually keep playing it, and especially because like if you have a battle pass, it feels like your progress is actually amounting to something, which I think don't think a lot of online games really understand. <laughs> it feels like it's got a good pacing. Yeah, the um, I don't play a lot of shooting games these days I guess I was never really into like stuff like Call of Duty but the way it actually feels to like fire the weapons feels really good like there's just they, they've just polished the gameplay to a point where you just you're like oh I've got this really good gun and it just it just feels fun to use and I think that once you get that down that's what kind of keeps people coming back and then also the Dragon Ball maybe coming also helps. Because <laughs> if I get in a if I get in a moat and I get to do the a kami kami high, I'm 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 so excited. <laughs> I really hope it's not just a rumor. I'm still hoping for Doom Guy. That's been oh, rumored yeah. for so long. I think there's a rumor at the moment for The Last of Us, but don't get me started um... on that game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, the um, some somebody's gone into the actual code of like one of the updates, and they found uh, like Dragon Ball Not items. Sure. 
yeah. and then they found other things so I th- and, and the movie's coming out in um, the US, Canada and the UK like next month so I'm like thinking ah that'll be to advertise a movie I'm just worried it's just all going to be like Goku and blonde Goku and <laughs> blue haired Goku and I'm like no I want I want cooler characters like Balmaz but no I've been really really in- enjoying it and um it's kind of like my main online game right now and it probably will be until Splatoon 3 comes out because like you guys I yeah. can only have one online game at a time <laughs> I'll probably transfer to, <laughs> to Splatoon <laughs> I'm obsessed but yeah Fortnite I'd recommend getting like a group of people like snag them until they give in because I know Fortnite's got that reputation Mm-hmm. But uh, I've been like getting all my friends to cave in and finally try it and go, hey, this is actually fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't uh, think I'd enjoy playing solo matches. Just, like I've been playing it oh, with my um, yeah, I've been playing it with my partner and he's on his PC and I'm on the like we're in the living room together or I'm in the bedroom on the Switch, and it's just when you have people to play it with that you know and you're close to, it just makes it so much more fun. Um, it's something to do while hanging out. It's a social yeah. Game. And especially if you can have some sort of weird combination of um, there's like an Indiana Jones quest lines that you can do. And so um, me and my partner and my friend um, Ash, we all played and we're all just a team of indies. (laughs) We're all just Indiana Jones and it was just really, really fun. I got killed by one of those recently. (laughs) Couldn't have been you. No, maybe. It was like a cool thing in the map. There's actually an Indiana Jones puzzle and you actually recreate the bit of the film and you swap the the gold for the bag and then this big boulder comes and (laughs) sometimes it has killed me um but it's just the little details it's just it's just really fun but yeah definitely more so if with like people you know yeah it's a play with friends game for sure um i was playing just before we started recording today actually with some (laughs) friends so yeah play it andrew oh i don't have time (laughs) (laughs) make time no i played it in the summer of 2018 when it launched on switch and just based on how long it, it, that took me i know exactly how much of my time it would take up and I, <laughs> I, I don't have that time anymore i don't regret that summer uh but i don't want to repeat it either yeah that's why i don't play mmos <laughs> yeah fair, same <laughs> yeah I, I used to be real big into world of warcraft and i, I don't play it anymore because i decided i want to play other games like <laughs> i want to go outside <laughs> <laughs> no nah, i don't want to do that <laughs> if i decided one day I, I need to start saving money actually i probably would start playing world of warcraft again because paying 30 dollars every two months however much it costs uh is a heck of a lot cheaper than buying a new game every week like i do now <laughs> but just the sheer amount of time that those games take up. I don't have it to spare. Yeah, you play World of Warcraft, you save food, um, money on food because you just forget to eat. <laughs> that didn't happen to me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we don't recommend you do this at home. Please eat. <laughs> yeah, please eat. <laughs> All right. As promised for several episodes, I played Torna the Golden Country, the uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 standalone companion game. I'm going to do my best to talk about this. It was a month ago that I finished it now, and I kept pushing it off because of time. <laughs> and now now it's been a long time since I actually finished it, so I'll do my best uh, to remember all the specific details. It's Genesis is, is interesting. It started off as a chapter in the game that took place midway through the story so you can get a better understanding of the villains because it's set in the past, and it tells... Uh, the part that they took place in the original war in the story, uh, describing you know how they all came together and w- filling in some of their motivations, uh, it just grew to be such a huge thing that it couldn't be part of the game anymore. It was it was just too big. It was no longer a chapter. Uh, they tried to make it a DLC, and eventually it just became its own standalone game. And I have to say. Of the Xenoblade Chronicles games I've played, I think this is the best one. It's the most streamlined, uh, and e- even though it's grew to be too big to be its own chapter in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, it's still a very 
manageable game. I finished it in 25, 30 hours. Uh, there's still a lot of side stuff I didn't do, which is where the game probably gets closer to 50 to 70 hours, maybe as much as 100 hours. I don't know. I didn't put in the time, so I couldn't tell you, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot more to it. Uh, I described the combat in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and uh, even though I was able to understand it just by interacting with it as much as I did while playing the game, I, I did feel it was overly complicated, and I think that's the best thing that Torn of the Golden Country does, is really strips back the game's combat and makes it a lot easier to understand while still following the same basic flow as in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, best change is the Gasha system on the blades is gone, and there's a set number of characters. There's your three main party members, and each of them has two blades apiece, which does add up to nine total characters in the game, but it's a lot less to keep track of. It's a, it's a lot easier to keep track of everything, and the blades actually function a lot more like characters now. In Xenoblade Chronicles 2, they kind of just stand behind you in battle and channel energy into you, but they don't really contribute much. It's kind of confusing. In Torna, they actually participate in battle, and you can actually trade back and forth uh, who is fighting and who is supporting. And... When you switch between characters, they actually have a little attack they do that can be worked into the combos, and it just it feels a lot more active and feels like you're doing a lot more instead of just waiting for your arts to refill through your auto attacks. And then it goes through the whole thing where you have to uh, uh, get your driver combos in there and then you can do your chain attacks. Another big change that makes the game a lot more streamlined is... Uh, instead of only getting your energy orbs off of your level 3 driver combos, now every time you do a driver combo of any level, it generates an orb. So that lets you pull off your chain attacks a lot sooner and uh, makes it so it's a lot easier to get the maximum number of orbs on an enemy. So again, it just makes the game feel a lot faster to play. I really appreciated that. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have much to say about it beyond that. It's just a, a much more manageable piece of Xenoblade Chronicles. There were things in 1 and 2 that I really liked, but the rest of the game was just off-putting or too large for me. But Torn of the Golden Country, I, I really enjoyed it. It was the exact length I really wanted it to be. I was just beginning to feel like okay let's let's get on with it let's end things and then then the game wrapped up <laughs> so <laughs> i enjoyed it and uh i think if you're interested in xenoblade chronicles this actually might be the best entry point maybe that might be setting yourself up for disaster because like i said this is the most streamlined the game has been because if you play this and you're gonna go back to the other ones and maybe feel as i do that uh they are overly complicated so you might enjoy them less but just for being short the the shortest xenoblade chronicles game you know still a 30-hour game i recommend it surprisingly <laughs> xenoblade chronicles 3 next week we'll see how i feel about that hopefully it draws a lot from torna i think torna is the best one now you sylvie you've been playing monster hunter rise sunbreak apparently kind of caught me by surprise yeah, considering the last few episodes I've been like, oh, I don't have the time for this. Um, <laughs> one of my friends has been streaming it, and I just oh. went, I, I, I can't wait anymore. I need to play this now. <laughs> well, con convince me to buy it, because I have been feeling bad that I haven't. <laughs> so, full disclosure, I'm playing this on PC, because that's where my friends are playing it. It, sh it should be the same game, so... <laughs> it's the same game, just it looks nicer on the PC. That's not to say it looks bad on Switch. It looks great on Switch. It just looks even better on PC. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the game is the same. So I've been power leveling or getting carried through the base game of Monster Hunter Rise because you can't actually access Sunbreak until you finish the main story of Monster Hunter Rise. If you're looking to play Sunbreak, you got a good 20 hours before you can. I think I was well over that before I got there. but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, 20 hours, I, I think, 
I'm not 100% sure. I think it gave me a weapon. Because I play hammer. And I got a hammer that was just outclassing everything that um, mm. I could have made in the base game. So that helped me go through very quickly. Since the last time we talked about it, actually, before I get into Sunbreak too much, because that's only going to be early impressions. I'm not too far into Sunbreak yet, but I can give you an idea of what to expect at least. The base game was updated so that when you originally when you got through the story you get to master rank seven and then that was it and then future updates unlocked the hunter rank so that you could uh go up to i think 20 and then you fight a camellios and then 30 and then you fight another new monster and so on but it was basically just a way i think it went up to uh 200 originally and uh, there were monsters that you could unlock but uh, it really was just a level to show how much time you've put into the game. So to unlock Sunbreak, you actually just need to get to Hunter rank 7 or 8. I think it's 8. Uh, and then you get a new character that comes to the village. And she's going on about some events. I'm, I'm not going to lie. The story is kind of like not the reason why I play. So I don't pay... <laughs> too much attention to it like i i get the gist of it the sort of nation from monster hunter world which is much more of a like a european colonial um vibe they've got a, a base on the same sort of i'd say continent that uh kamara village is on and they're investigating a different thing so the base game was dealing with rampages there's something else going on, and that's what this new outpost, uh, Elgado, is dealing with. So you actually get a new hub area, and it resembles the one from Monster Hunter World a fair bit in terms of design. So it unlocks Master Ranks. You got Hunter Ranks, and now you got Master Ranks. So <laughs> that's uh, two numbers to keep track on. I think it's just their way of uh, adding a new progression system that doesn't interfere with the base game too much so you basically got low rank high rank master rank and that comes with all new armor sets all new weapon sets but it also comes with very very hard monsters so in the base game you had village quests and hub quests village were like single player hub were multiplayer so even if you were playing the hub ones solo they were still tuned for at least two players this feels like they're tuned for four players. <laughs> there are basic monsters like the Kuliyaku, which is just like this little bird creature that holds like rocks to defend itself. I never had a problem with that before. And then even with this beefy hammer that I had and fairly good armor, it was really hard. They got new moves, they hit harder, uh, they run around. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the challenge. Because uh, Rise was a, a fairly, I wouldn't say easy game, but it felt like it was easier to kind of get the hang of it, to kind of master the controls and feel like you're getting into a good swing of things. The Master Rank stuff is making me question everything. Do I know how to play this game? All of my regular strategies don't work. Some of them move so fast that I'm wondering if I should still be playing Hammer. It's just really full on, but I love it for that. And having, because uh, I was playing a little bit solo and a little bit with uh, friends, I definitely want to play this with friends. <laughs> I mean, it's it's also just a really good social game in general. Um, it, it, it still retains that basic loop of hunt monsters for parts to build armor and weapons to hunt stronger monsters for their armor and weapons that's still the gist of it here it's just uh the new monsters are really hard but also the returning monsters are really hard as far as i know there's two new zones as well to explore um i've only unlocked the jungle so far but there's also a citadel and it's the one that you've probably seen in the promotional materials where it's like this purple hazed area it looks really cool can't wait to unlock it 
Uh, like I said, you got the new hub area. Dungo is kind of revamped a little bit, but I don't understand it yet. But it's something to do with the order that you uh, get the Dungo in. It changes the uh, activation percentage, I think. Rampages are gone. In the base game, Rampages was sort of like a tower defense thing, but it was just not done well, in my opinion. It was the weakest part of the game, at least. And uh, Capcom apparently thought so too, and it's gone. Like I said, early impressions, I'm only Master Rank 2 at the moment. It follows the same thing where you have to do a bunch of key quests, and then you have an urgent quest which ranks you up, and then you just do that over and over to progress with the story, get new monsters. So I'm only about, I think, halfway through Master Rank 2 towards 3. Um, I think it goes up to 7 and then it unlocks again. Yeah, I'd recommend it if you liked Rise and wanted a little bit more challenge. That's It's more of the same with some refinements. With that added challenge of just even the monsters that you think you know, they've got new tricks. And uh, if you like swearing at digital monsters, like me, <laughs> definitely check it out. Have I convinced you? Your uh, references to difficulty kind of put me off. Uh. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's difficulty. It's the the challenge is adapting to new patterns, really. Yeah, I I also played it like exclusively solo, and I think mm. th I think we have to play a bit more multiplayer now to progress in this one. It sounds like it feels like they really want you to play multiplayer. Yeah, I really don't want to, Capcom. I really don't. <laughs> Good, now I don't have to buy that. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Do you know if there's crossplay? No, if there were crossplay, I'd absolutely play with you. But yeah. uh, I'm not I don't want to buy this twice. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't either. It's a shame because I'm buying the Amiibo, but I can't use them in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wait, you gotta have the amiibo. I mean, I'm an amiibo collector, and they're just really nice figurines in Ex general. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I've got loads that I don't actually have the game that they work for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got the Metroid Dread pack, and I don't think I'm going to buy that game because it's meant to be hard. But I was like, oh, they're pretty. <laughs> they are so pretty. And yes, the game is fairly challenging. Hmm. What are we playing in the coming weeks? Rosalie, we'll start with you. Um, I just found out that Dicey Dungeons has like a free update that I think mm -hmm. it's been out for like a while now and I just didn't know. So I'm going to be playing that because I really like Dicey Dungeons. I really want to play Live Alive, so I'm just waiting on to be uh, for some funds to come in from a job that I did. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm probably going to buy that because it looks really good. <laughs> yeah. Editors pay your freelancers. Yes. <laughs> they, sh they, sh they shouldn't have to chase after you to get paid. Yes. And Sylvia, how about you? Um, more Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. It's got a its hold on me again. Um, <laughs> I'd love to say Xenoblade Chronicles Three, but the way that they've done the shipping for the special edition yeah. is yeah. weird. So I'm getting the physical edition shipped first, and then. Nintendo Australia tend to ship it on release date, so. <laughs> and I'm going to be playing Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, and I will be looking at Live Alive next week. I have it. I've played it a bit, but I want to spend more than just a day with it before I talk mm -hmm. about it, so that'll be next week on that, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3 will be the same deal. It'll be a, a week and a few days before we hear about that, too, so if you want to hear the most up-to-date takes on those games, you're not going to hear it here. Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. Just follow us on Twitter. Yeah. We'll post leaks. <laughs> e edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that Live Alive has made the 2D HD stuff look good. Yeah. Oh, God. It's so much better, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening to this episode of In Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes.
It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. You can find the links for these in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him at PlayCritically on Twitter and check out his long-form reviews at playcritically.com. You can follow myself on Twitter at stew2, S-T-W-T-W-O, or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash sylvietori. You can also follow Rosalie at lilrecordgirl, that's L-I-L, Record Girl, on Twitter. <laughs>